Welcome to the Alcohol Freedom Podcast, where we are bringing you a modern and judgment-free conversation about how we relate to our drinking habits. I'm Michelle Kapler, and you've got episode 19. Hi, friend. Thanks for tuning in. Things are humming and moving in the dry January 2.0 challenge. For all of you who have joined, I just want to say you've got this. If you missed out on joining us for Dry January 2022, you can still sign up to do the seven-day alcohol freedom experiment, which can be done anytime. Just head over to michellecapler.com, scroll all the way to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up there. I'll also put it in the show notes so you can find it easily. It's January 2022, and it's resolution season. It's that first week of the year when we all feel compelled to implement new habits and get rid of old ones in the hopes of bettering ourselves. I was doing some sleuthing on Google and came across some interesting statistics, such as 64% of people give up their New Year's resolutions within the first month of the year. I also read that January 19th is the exact day that most people quit. And I want to dive into why this is and pull this apart a little bit. Why do we all start out with such positive and beautiful, well-intentioned thoughts when it comes to changing our habits, just to quit a few weeks in? I think there are lots of reasons for this, but what I want to talk about today is a couple of things, and I want to start with the concept of arrival fallacies. I don't remember exactly where I learned about this idea. It could have been from my teacher, Carl Lowenthal, whose podcast, by the way, I highly recommend listening to, especially if you're into thought work, confidence, and feminism. It's called Unfuck Your Brain, and you can find it in the show notes, of course. So an arrival fallacy is the idea that when you set a goal, like quitting drinking or losing 10 pounds or getting a promotion or hitting an income goal in your business, that when you reach the goal, you will suddenly feel happy and wonderful and that unicorns will dance in the sky and rainbows will shoot out of your ears and any negative emotion you ever felt in the context of this particular goal will magically evaporate because you have arrived at the goal. This is obviously hyperbolic and exaggerated, but it's not far off from what a lot of people believe. And it brings up the question of why are we setting these goals and resolutions in the first place? If you ask somebody why they want to lose 10 pounds, they're probably going to tell you that it's so they can fit into their smaller clothing or look good in a bathing suit, or maybe they think it'll make them healthier. If you ask someone why they want to go for that promotion, they will tell you it's for the new title or for the higher paycheck or the greater bonus. But really at the root of all of this, people resolve to make these changes because they think that if they accomplish the goal, they will get to feel differently about themselves. They will get to have a positive self-image and see themselves in a better light. Or at the very least, they will get to stop hating themselves. But it really isn't the case. Having a higher number on your paycheck, or a smaller body, or no longer putting alcohol into a glass and ingesting it, or no longer consuming foods that contain sugar as one of their ingredients, or any number of other things. Those things aren't what actually create the way you feel about yourself. I think one interesting and perhaps less personal example of this 
that is culturally relevant at the time of recording this podcast is New Year's in the context of the world amid the COVID pandemic. There is this common conversation about how 2020 and 2021 were the dumpster fires of years. I mean, they even make Christmas tree ornaments about it. And then 2022 will happen and things will magically improve and be awesome because we changed over to a new calendar year. We can breathe a sigh of relief because the year is coming to an end and we get this imaginary fresh start. But here's the thing. If we keep thinking, feeling, and acting in the same ways that we did in 2020 and 2021, the results that we get are not going to change. The problems that we had in the previous two years aren't going to magically go away because it's a two at the end of the year instead of a one. And it's like this with personal goals too. If your goal is to lose 10 pounds because day after day you're telling yourself that you're ugly and worthless, making the number on the scale go down isn't going to make you magically stop thinking those things about yourself. You may have a feeling, a bit of time when you get to the goal, where you get a charge or a boost of temporary self-confidence from reaching the goal, but if you don't change the way that you're a complete jerk to yourself on the inside, if you don't change the way you hate your body, it doesn't matter what the number on the scale is. That feeling of worthlessness is still going to be the foundation of how you think about yourself and will continue to feel about yourself. Same goes for that promotion you're going for. If you want to go for the executive position because you think that means you can finally tell yourself that you're a valued employee or a worthwhile human, simply getting the position isn't going to change the feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness. If you don't change the inner dialogue of, I'm not good enough, no one values my work, you will still have those feelings and those thoughts with every promotion. As you climb higher up on the corporate ladder, you just take your old, well-worn thoughts and feelings with you. So what about drinking? What about creating a new relationship with alcohol? Let's say you want to quit drinking for 30 days in January because you want to stop feeling anxious and full of self-doubt. You want to stop feeling like you're broken, so you decide to do dry January, where you give up drinking for 30 days. You just say no. But here's the thing. Whether or not you put alcohol into a glass and ingest it isn't the entire picture here. Will giving up drinking for 30 days give you a sense of accomplishment? Of course it will. It's certainly not an easy thing to do to just say no for 30 days. But it doesn't actually create sustainable habit change. Unless you examine the reasons why you're over drinking in the first place, unless you figure out why you are feeling anxiety, self-doubt, and brokenness, and take steps to fix that, there's a very good chance that you'll go right back to your old habits when the 30 days are done, or you might not even make it to 30 days. When we use willpower alone to accomplish our goals, we stay the same person with the same thoughts and feelings who get the same results. In order to reach any of these goals, which for most of us are simply a vehicle that we think will get us to a place where we can think and feel a certain way about ourselves. In order to reach these goals, we have to actually become a different version of ourselves. We have to become somebody who doesn't drink. We have to become somebody who thinks and feels like somebody who doesn't drink. I was speaking with a client the other day about her goals for 2022. She's a non-drinker, so we were talking about other things. We were talking about what she might like to accomplish in terms of her business goals and health goals for 2022. 
We talked about some amazing revenue goals and how she was going to get there. And then she mentioned that she would like to get a six pack because she thought it might be kind of fun just to do that. So we talked about actions she would need to take in order to achieve that goal, nutrition, exercise, lifestyle practices like sleep and hydration. And then we talked about the most important part, the part where we talked about becoming a person who has a six pack. I asked her what she would need to let go of in order to become this next version of herself. She thought about it for a minute, and then she told me that she would need to let go of distractions in the evening so she could get to bed on time and be able to wake up the next day to exercise before her family was awake. We talked about how she would actually need to become a person who goes to bed earlier and gets up earlier and just sees that as part of life. And then we talked about letting go of the idea that we should be comfortable and feel good all the time. Habit change kind of sucks. It's not fun. Most of the time, it's a little bit monotonous and boring. And sometimes it's just straight up uncomfortable. So in order to become a person who has a six pack, she will need to become a person who is comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. She will need to become a person who accepts that life isn't satisfying and gratifying all the time. She will need to become a person who sees the value of constraint in this context. And flexing those muscles doing the work of developing resilience and an expectation and acceptance of discomfort is what creates sustainable and long-lasting habit change and massive results in any area of life. Now, I want to touch on another important thing to consider, and please listen closely to this next bit, especially if you have perfectionist tendencies, which I know most of my listeners and clients do. I was talking to another client about exercise goals yesterday. Exercise seems to come up a lot in January. And this person wanted to exercise more because they felt their health had declined as a result of not including body movement in their life for the last few years during the pandemic. So my first question was to get really specific about what it would look like to do this work, which is important when setting goals. We want to know exactly what it is that we're going to do. We don't just want to say, I'm going to get fit. We want to decide exactly which actions we are going to take. So for this person, we talked about exercising three times per week. We talked about what movement it would be. We talked about exactly what they would do with their body, how long it would be done for. And then I asked what might get in the way of this happening. And then all of the possible obstacles came up. So not wanting to wake the toddler earlier in the morning, disturbing the spouse still sleeping at that time having to give up candy crush in the evening so an earlier bedtime and earlier morning could happen, and then just maybe generally not wanting to get out of bed when it's time. And we came to the realization through this conversation that this person was telling themselves that in order to be considered a quote, good or quote, effective workout, it would need to be at least 45 minutes long, if not an hour. And this is where the theme of perfectionism comes in. This person was telling themselves that if they couldn't do a full one-hour workout, that it really wasn't worth doing at all. And this is just factually incorrect. Because in this context, some movement is almost always better than no movement. And according to habit research, the skill of building sustainable long-term habits starts with showing up and doing the work in small, manageable increments. Because expecting to go from no exercise for a few years to an hour of exercise in every workout would most likely lead to not doing it or stopping a few days or weeks into it because it's not reasonable to go from zero to 60 overnight. 
So my client and I talked about maybe doing 15 to 20 minutes three times a week and being aware of the work of watching the brain when it's telling you that just 15 minutes isn't going to do anything and it's not even worth it if it's not the full hour. Just noticing when our perfectionist brain says things like that to us and then gently reminding ourselves that 15 or 20 minutes three times a week, like compound interest in a bank, actually does add up to massive and sustainable results in the long term. And this leads me to the next piece of this conversation, which is managing expectations around how the process might feel. Somehow, collectively, we have ended up in this place where we have been conditioned to think that we should never be uncomfortable, that we should just be happy all the time, that we should just feel positive feelings always. But when it comes to changing our habits, it doesn't really feel great as you're doing it. It's often annoying. It's often boring. We often feel impatient. We often have moments of feeling terrible. And we think everything is going wrong if we can't see the results right away. But if you can become a person who expects discomfort, a person who renounces instant gratification, a person who knows that there will be setbacks and failures as part of the process, because those are actually the juicy bits where we get to learn everything about ourselves and how to grow and evolve. If we can become a person who is comfortable with feeling terrible sometimes, we develop a deep respect for ourselves, a deep confidence in ourselves, a deep integrity with ourselves, a knowing that we can rely on our own consistent efforts, a knowing that we'll show up, a knowing that we'll always have our own back. And the peace and settlement that comes from being able to think those things about ourselves are really all that we're looking to feel when we achieve the goals that we set for ourselves. It's not the size of the dress. It's not the number on the paycheck. We all just want to feel at peace and that's what we're aiming for. So to recap the episode, when setting a goal, number one, we want to know why we are doing it. And then we want to go a few layers deeper. It's not just about wearing smaller pants. Ask yourself how you think you'll get to feel about yourself when you get there. And then know that these thoughts and feelings won't magically happen when you achieve the goal. That it's actually more about the person you have to become while you get there. Number two, be specific about exactly what you want to do. Make it boring and small. If your brain tells you that it's not worth doing it because it's only 20 minutes and it won't work, or something of that nature, you're on the right track. Number three, expect to be uncomfortable. Know that getting comfortable with discomfort is going to be the key to achieving the deeper reasons for setting those goals in the first place. How did all of this sit with you? If you're thinking that you might like to go deeper with this work in the context of changing your relationship with alcohol, then you'll want to try my seven-day alcohol freedom experiment. It's totally free. You can start anytime. And we explore a lot of these themes in depth as we're going through the week. You're going to head on over to michellecapler.com to sign up today, or you can click on it in the show notes. That's it for me today. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, you've got this, my friend.